You're listening to the Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Barita. I'm a 16-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law and leadership topics, company leaders like CEOs, managers, and HR professionals would often ask me where can they find a little more information on this and a little more information on that. Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people only have 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to company leaders. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Legal Skinny podcast. President Biden made an interesting move today in the release of a presidential executive order that, among a number of things, provides for a very clear move against companies using non-competes with their workers. Specifically, the presidential executive order states to address agreements that may unduly limit workers' ability to change jobs, the chair of the Federal Trade Commission, in short called the FTC, is encouraged to consider working with the rest of the commission to exercise the FTC's statutory rulemaking authority under the Federal Trade Commission Act to curtail the unfair use of non-compete clauses and other clauses or agreements that may unfairly limit worker mobility. Now listen, you may be a fan of non-competes, or you may not. I will tell you that they have a particularly fascinating history of controversy that surrounds them. For this discussion, I'm mainly talking about the non-competes between an employer and an employee, uh, which is mainly what appears the executive order is about. So, So on the one hand, okay, should any person or business be able to restrict the ability of another person to work in a competing business in their field? I mean, this is America after all, you know, land of the free. It's an American, dang it. (laughs) And all that, all that argument. Okay, that's one side, right? On the other hand, of course, is the idea that this person who is uh, paid money as an employee and exposed to confidential and trade secrets, so they shouldn't um, then be able to quit and run to the enemy competitor to destroy the creator of such information, uh, or worse, be poached by the enemy competitor with no consequences. So thus leading to just a world of stealing, hardworking American companies' creations. Isn't that un-American? <laughs> Look, uh, both sides, tricky, slippery slope arguments here. But let's just reflect for a minute. Historically, non-competes have primarily been governed by state law mixed in with that state's contract law usually. So for instance, here in Texas where I'm at, you can have a non-compete with a worker, but there's a a lot of laws and cases surrounding the limits of how you can do that. For instance, um, 
what consideration you may need to support that type of um, contractual clause or agreement, how long they can restrict someone from doing that, how how long can you stop them from working for somebody else under a non-compete clause, the geographic area of those restrictions, and then the scope, of course, of what type of work and with whom is the restriction going to apply, um, for instance. Now, other states like Oklahoma, North Dakota, and California, they don't allow the non-competes really at all, right? Um, And then still other states on top of that have their own laws and cases defining their own restrictions surrounding this. And and if they don't ban non-competes, they may, and and some states definitely do, prohibit the use of non-competes with uh, certain types of workers, like low-wage workers. As a lawyer, I understand and see this kind of quilt patchwork set of arguments that make up, you know, the non-competition world that we live in across America. And if you're a business that's only, um, if your business is only working in, in one state, you may not see all these different types of laws come up, but um, they're out there. I can tell you, and they're all, you know, quite different um, as, you know, non-compete law was not created last year. Okay, non-competition law, it's, it's deeply seeded in some states, many years of judicial rulings and or legislation. You know, um, for, for the laws here in the state of Texas, they go back before I was an attorney for sure, right? So, so you may be asking, well, then why is the president getting into the mix here? This sounds like a state law thing. That's a good question. My take on it, it's it's pretty simple. All presidents wear the heavy crown of creating a flourishing American economy. Think about it. While each president of the United States has faced their own distinct set of challenges, depending on the time period they're president for, the economy and jobs is something always top of mind. And while they may be judged by other things, High on that scorecard of history is the judgment in part on what they did or didn't do with the economy. My history teacher in college talked a lot about this and um, how some presidents got stuck with their situation relating to the economy, because in part, it's a timing thing, you know, it's related to timing. The effects may not be immediate as to what you do or don't do as it relates to the economy. So sometimes the president who created the good or bad economy doesn't get the credit or criticism, and another does. Regardless, though, they all wear that heavy crown and burden of trying to affect it in a positive way. And as stated in this presidential executive order, the economy is booming under President Biden's leadership. And the executive order continues to say, and because of that, the president is building on this economic momentum by signing this executive order to promote competition in the American economy, which will, as stated in the order, then lower prices for families, increase wages for workers, and promote innovation and even faster economic growth. Now, I'm not going to read you this whole executive order or the nifty little fact sheet that they made to go along with it. and um. And some of it goes way, way beyond non-competes, as it even states, uh, today's historic executive order established a whole-of-government effort to promote competition in the American economy. 
with its citing to 72 initiatives by more than a dozen federal agencies being empowered basically to promptly tackle these pressing competition problems in the economy, aka Amazon and Facebook may want to watch it there. (laughs) Um, There's all kinds of stuff in this um, in this executive order. I mean, from refund refunds from airlines uh, to over the counter hearing aids to antitrust laws and prior mergers potentially being challenged. You can go read it all yourself in the nifty fact sheet at whitehouse.gov. But for this podcast and my discussion with you, it's very clear that the president and his administration feel that non-competes get in the way of the president's goals to continue to keep the economy growing. Specifically, it states, um, inadequate competition holds back economic growth and innovation. Citing to barriers to competition, driving down wages for workers and driving up prices for consumers. And that among the goals is to make it easier to change jobs and help raise wages by banning or limiting non-competition agreements and unnecessary, cumbersome occupational licensing requirements that impede economic mobility. So the president has thrown his hat in the ring or more appropriately for me, made his chess move with the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, when it comes to non-competes. Now, before you reach in your file cabinet and start tearing up or burning up your fancy non-competes that you probably paid good money for a lawyer to create for you, assuming you're in a state that even recognizes them, listen to me for a minute. I mentioned how states have traditionally defined non-competes for the workers in their state. So a federal rule banning them would be a very big change that many businesses and business leaders would likely, no, let me say this, almost certainly challenge. So uh, this appears to have been uh, anticipated by the president and his administration as the executive order spends a lot of time in section two of the order discussing the statutory basis for the executive order, citing to multiple antitrust laws, including the Sherman Act and Clayton Act, and then the Federal Trade Commission Act, as well as other authorities, including Supreme Court cases. So um, so starting off with the argument um, uh, that may be challenged here would be that whether the FTC has the legal authority to enact such a ban at all against non-competes. So legal challenges should be expected. But has that really solved your concerns for today? Well, let's talk about today. What can you do today? If you're listening to this call and you have workers that are under a non-compete and have confidential information or trade secret information in your company, then you may already be thinking about how devastating it would be to lose those protections if you're in a state that allows for them. And especially if this is the only mechanism that you've relied on to protect those interests. But another way to look at this issue and whatever the FTC does um, is to consider are there other legal ways to protect your interests? The executive order does not outright ban non-disclosure agreements, for instance. And so um, that would be one thing to consider. And from what I've read, while it says non-compete and other agreements, it doesn't doesn't clearly state that it's going to be banning non-solicitation clauses of um, you know, soliciting your employees. So if an employee leaves and them trying to, you know, take your employees with you to start another company that competes with you, for instance, 
or non-solicitation of your clients or customers, those type of clauses. They don't seem to be clearly a part of the executive order's purpose, which is to allow workers to be able to go and work for other companies. Both of which, if you're allowed to use those in your state, non-solicitation clauses could provide clear protections, right, for a business, uh, again, if the state will allow it. Now, I'll admit that while Texas allows non-competes, they are very restricted. And there's many Texas Supreme Court cases and other court cases in Texas from the other appeal courts that repeatedly talk about how non-competes are not intended to be used to stop people from working. And the interest of what is trying to be protected versus how restrictive the covenant is has to be analyzed closely. And so as an attorney here who's argued these things in front of judges, um, I'll tell you, Texas judges scrutinize non-competes heavily. And my experience is they take seriously the concept of stopping people from working at all. So non-solicitation clauses and non-disclosure agreements, you know, um, especially non-solicitation clauses as they relate to customers or clients or other employees, are much easier to legally argue because they directly protect those specific interests of the business while still allowing the employee to work. So just something to think about um, as you're kind of mulling over what all this means. As I record this today, my parting words are, I do not expect the FTC to eliminate non-competes entirely. Although uh, they may do something like some of the other states have done where they you know, limit them for lower wage workers or something to that effect. But either way, as I've told you before, I don't have a crystal ball on exactly what our government agencies are up to. But let me put it in words as if we were talking about a game of chess. You see, chess is such an elusive game to win for many. And to the outsider, you know, it may be quite boring. But the strategy involved in a game of chess can be likened so much to the strategy of politics and law and business. You see, they say that one of the most commonly asked questions by chess beginners is, what is the quickest way to checkmate your enemy's king? As if like a newbie could roll into any game of chess and win in two moves, even if armed with this information. Um, but anyway, it, it's often called a, a two-move checkmate or affectionately referred to as fool's mate in part because there are only certain times when it can occur because it requires a series of opening moves both by you and your opponent. And without getting into all the nitty gritty of it, um, most if not all skilled chess players will tell you that the two move checkmate almost never happens in actual chess games because only a player completely unfamiliar with the game would allow it to happen. I bring this up because I would say that the president does not have a fool's mate in his move against non-competes. If anything, there's a bit of a long game at play. And, and you can see that by how extensive this order is, this executive order. But I guess time will tell. And I'll leave you with that. And that's the legal skinny on the president's chess move against non-competes. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. 
I would love for you to go to www.legalskinny.com forward slash review to learn the super simple way to leave me a review to tell me which topics and guests you like. I value your thoughts and your review helps me support more company leaders just like you to grow as a leader themselves and to grow successful teams. I also drop the link in the show notes if that's easier for you. And while you're there, check out all the other resources I have for you as a company leader. And don't forget our disclaimer to remember legal skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.